Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. As you're considering your plans for next year, we wanted to let you know TVC is embarking on a Journeys of Paul tour July 7-16, through 16, 2024. We'll step into history and walk where the Apostle Paul walked as we visit Philippi, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, and many other meaningful locations. This tour will bring the scriptures to life with worship services and Bible studies with Pastor Jim. You can learn more at thevillagechapel.com slash tour. This week, we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Jim. Hey folks, so glad you've joined me again for our study of Mark's Gospel. Chapter 3, looking at verses 20 through 30. And if after I read this, you don't have any questions... I'm going to think you didn't really pay attention because I've got some questions of my own. So let's see what we can find here as we look at Mark 3, verses 20 through 30. Remember, the public ministry of Jesus has begun. Uh, Crowds are amassing in huge quantity and following him literally everywhere he goes. He is uh, performing miracles of all kinds uh, over, over diseases, over disasters like storms, over death itself, raising people from the dead, and uh, over demonic forces that have possessed people. So he's in demand and people are pursuing him everywhere. His teaching is with such great authority that people are constantly amazed and astonished by what he has to say. And so they're pressing in, and you'll read that with me here in verse 20. He came home, likely to Capernaum, likely to uh, Simon Peter's house or someone like that, uh, or perhaps to the home of one of his relatives. He came home. We don't think Jesus owned a house. We're pretty sure he didn't. And the irony is he owns the entire universe, but he doesn't even have a hovel or a hut or a home to call his own. That's just crazy, isn't it? Well, anyway... Back to the beginning, he came home and the multitude gathered again, meaning they've done it more than once, to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. So they're pressing in on his ha- the house he's staying in and so much so there's not even time to turn around and cook or not even time to turn around and sit down at a meal and eat a meal. People are needy. People are desperate and they're pressing in. However, in contrast to that, that was verse 20. Listen to verse 21. And when his own people or his own kinsmen uh, heard of this, they went out to take custody of him for they were saying he has lost his senses. And so, I mean, how do we get inside of all of that? That's such a contrast, isn't it? Um, And we know that his brothers... Um, pre-resurrection up to and right before the resurrection, they aren't quite buying into him being the Messiah. You know, you kind of wonder, you know, growing up in the same household, all the sort of thing that happens between siblings, especially between brothers. And he may have had sisters as well. So with all of that, uh, some of his family members are seeing all of this going on and they're concerned for him. They think he may have lost his mind. They're bringing the white jacket with the straps on the back, and they're going to collect him up. At least that's their intention, it sounds like. They came to take custody of him, and they were saying that he had lost uh, his senses. He's crazy. He's out of his mind, okay? Sometimes uh, there are folk that look at people who have faith, people who believe or trust in Jesus, 
and they think that those people are crazy. It's foolishness to them. Um, and I kind of get it when I, you know, when if you take out, uh, if if they have no belief in God, if they have no understanding for uh, the immaterial world at all, then there's no space in their worldview for any of that kind of thing. Then you, they might think people like me are crazy, um, and and it, and it would seem to be foolish to them. Now I'm not sure they'd be. I hope they're not going to come with the uh, straitjacket for me, for trusting in Christ. I hope they don't do that for you as well. But we've all been sitting around, any, those of us who are believers, we've all been sitting in circumstances where somebody pokes fun at belief. Matter of fact, there's some, there's some, you know, sort of the popular so-called new atheists that mock and make fun of openly um, anybody that believes in God, not just Christians, but anybody that has any kind of belief in any kind of God at all. So this isn't new uh, that these folks think Jesus is crazy or somebody that's believing stuff is crazy. But I don't know how they got around the miracles. I, I don't know how they got around all of that. And and with the crowds pressing in like that, how is it they think they're going to go in and literally take him and uh, take him away? I'm not sure what they were thinking there. But it, it does unfold a little as we get deeper in. And tomorrow's episode, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. But for today, the scribes who were there, uh, verse 22 says, these are their religious leaders, the, the experts in the law, the ones that make the copies of the law. They came down from Jerusalem. Say And by the way, it's, I know Galilee's in the northern third of Israel, and I know that I just read it saying they came down from Jerusalem. We tend to, in the West, we tend to think if you're headed down, then you're going south. We look at our map on the wall, and we think down means south. But with the Jews, at Jerusalem is sort of the, the, the central spot. If you ever read about someone going to Jerusalem, they're going up to Jerusalem. And if you ever read in the gospel accounts of somebody coming out of Jerusalem, they're going down from Jerusalem. So that's the pinnacle right there. So these scribes are coming um, uh, down from Jerusalem uh, to Galilee, even though it's up in the north. And they were saying, he meaning Jesus, is possessed by Beelzebul. Now, some of your English translations might say Beelzebub. And uh, there are several different variant spellings on this. And uh, it, it, it could be a reference to um, the god fly, you know, or the fly god. It could also be a reference to uh, the lord of the flies. Or it could be, uh, there's another one that's a, a little more salty, if you will. Uh, I'll put it as nicely as I can, but the god of dung, okay? And so they're basically saying that um, uh, he is possessed by Satan. Um, they, they, they go on to say, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and he, Jesus, casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he's possessed by Beelzebul, and he's casting out demons by the ruler of the demons. And I'm wrinkling my nose and scrunching my forehead, those of you that are only listening and not watching, uh, because it just on common sense logic doesn't make much sense, does it? And Jesus will pick up on this, you'll see. But uh, uh, in his day and in our own day, it seems to me that uh, the most uncommon sense is common sense. Uh, sometimes people say the weirdest things and they don't 
you know, really understand what they're saying until it just comes out of their mouth like this. Jesus called them to himself, verse 23, and began speaking to them in parables. So he's going to tell them a story. He wants to make it as simple as he possibly can. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. <laughs> so, so Jesus totally uh, uh, just giving them a simple logic lesson here. Um, and one more time, besting them publicly in front of this massive crowd that is pressed into the house. And by the way, a similar account is uh, found in uh, Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 11. And uh, I, it, they record Jesus as adding in this little uh, statement as well. Um, if, if it's by the power of Beelzebul that I cast out demons, by who do you cast, or by who do your sons cast out demons? And of course, the answer is, well, they don't. <laughs> they, they don't have the power to do that. They don't have the authority to do that. And so Jesus shining a little spotlight on that as well, their lack of ability and their lack of power and authority in the spiritual realm. But here in Mark, it's just about this simple logic. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, uh, he cannot stand, but he is finished. Oh, and that's just great to hear Jesus say that, isn't it? Uh, I love that. Verse 27, no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the, sin, or the sons of man and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. That's all I want to read today. And I'm, I'm sure you may be familiar uh, with the term, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You may have heard of the term, the unforgivable sin. Is there any sin that's unforgivable? Um, how does Mark describe uh, this disposition of heart that these people have here? toward Jesus and where Jesus, who, first of all, I got to point out, he's still teaching them about this. And so there must be something they can still learn. They, all hope is not gone for them if he's still speaking about this. But step back with me just for a second uh, in this narrative. Verse, Go back to verse 20, 21. He's surrounded by the pressing needs of the crowds. Uh, unable to even take in a meal. I don't know about you, but when my blood sugar gets low, I get grumpy. I get crabby. I can't think straight. And I get a little cranky, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not very patient with people. And watching, watching Jesus here, I'm just so in awe of just knowing all that he has you know, gone through. Everybody's pulling at him. All these people are, um, in this particular case, pressing in on him. He can't get a meal. Uh, he's misunderstood by his own family. He's accused and indicted 
by the religious leaders of his time, the ones from Jerusalem, the ones from the big city, the ones from the religious capital of Judaism. And they are literally accusing him, indicting him of being uh, possessed by Beelzebul. And that he's, when he does this, you know, setting people free who are, in, you know, possessed uh, by these dark forces, uh, these people are not crediting Jesus with it. They're saying he's doing it uh, by the power of Satan. Um, that, that is, uh, well, that, that's shocking, actually. Um, and yet here in this passage, you have some people saying he's lost his senses. Some people saying he has an unclean spirit. Some people saying he's uh, possessed by beals bull himself and casting out demons by the ruler of the demons. And it brings up, uh, again, this subject of what, what is it, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that Jesus finishes up here saying that if someone... Um, uh, commits that if one goes if one's soul and disposition of heart toward Christ goes that far they've committed this uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and as I read Mark's gospel account and then also I'm going to encourage you to do the same to go and read uh, Matthew 12 and Luke 11 as well uh, I think you'll find as did I that there's a uh, there's a broad way of looking at this. It's, it's not like a little uh, one-time thing that happens, but actually a settled disposition of heart. Um, let me describe it this way. I think it's the heart that's hostile and callous toward Christ. Um, it's, it's, it's conscious and deliberate what these people are doing. They're, they're consciously, deliberately uh, attributing the works of Jesus to Satan. Um, not giving Jesus the credit due his name, and at the same time saying that he, Jesus, is actually at doing the bidding of Beelzebul or, 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 or Satan. Um, and then thirdly, it's, it's a settled attitude versus a one-time event. This is the disposition of their hearts as they constantly follow Jesus around. These ones have traveled all the way up from Jerusalem. That's no small trip on foot, okay? And they're going to follow him around everywhere he goes. And you'll, we'll, we'll see as we go through Mark's gospel and any of the other gospel accounts that you read. You just watch. They're following him around, hoping to catch him, uh, to discredit him in some way. And as we read all the way back in, was it verse uh, 6? They were already conspiring. These religious leaders were conspiring with the Herodians, the sort of secular Jews, if you will, that were friendly to the Roman Empire. They're already conspiring with people who aren't even religious, but who are Jews, to see how they can do away with Jesus. Or it's actually stronger language in verse 6, how they can destroy Jesus. So this passage really reminds us that if you have gone so far dark, so far at odds with God, at odds with Christ, at odds with the Holy Spirit. Um, you are a person who probably should be able to recognize Jesus, but simply refuse to do so. Uh, you are somebody um, uh, who has heard the gospel of Jesus, and these folks have, because they've been following him around, Okay. And neutrality is no longer an option for them. They've actually heard the message he's been preaching, repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Um, and they have rejected that. Okay. So they should be able to recognize Jesus, but they won't. Not that they can't. They should be able to, and they won't. They're willful unbelievers. Um, and they have heard the gospel, but they are at odds with it. Um, thirdly, some people, I think, um, uh, who get concerned about this kind of thing, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? That sort of thing. And I would say to you, if that's you, or if it's someone you know, if you're actually concerned about that, then you probably haven't done it. Because these folks are callous. I'd say indifferent, but I think that'd be too generous. They're callous and belligerently callous. They're at odds with Jesus. They're fighting against him. They're seeking to destroy him. And now they're completely crediting Satan uh, for the, the good things that Jesus is actually doing when he casts out these demons. So if you're, com if you're concerned about whether you might have committed this sin or not, you're not like those people at all. You're not like these people in this passage at all. You don't, I don't think you need to worry about that at all. Willful unbelief um, denies God's purposes, is deaf to God's word, and resists letting God be God. And that's what they've done here as well. C.S. Lewis uh, said once in The Great Divorce, if you haven't read that, by the way, uh, I highly recommend it to you. Um, he says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. In other words, if you want life without Christ, if you want life forever into eternity without God, if that's what you want is to be your own God, then God will let you have that. Thy will be done. Oh, wow. I, I pray that that is not so for anyone listening to my voice or watching this podcast at all. I, I, I pray that's not the case for you. Um, but Mark wants to con constantly ask us, who is Jesus and how do you respond to Jesus? And here, right here, we have a, a shocking example of how some people respond negatively to Jesus, rejecting Jesus. Um, seeking so hard to discredit him, um, um, and and their hearts so dark, their souls so dark. Hmm. Tim Keller in the Reason for God says this, and I think this is great too. Only if your God can say things that outrage you and make you struggle, as in a real friendship or marriage. Will you know that you've gotten hold of a real God and not a figment of your own imagination? So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of a personal relationship with God. It's the precondition for it. This is an authoritative Bible. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John contain so much eyewitness account of the life and teachings of Jesus, of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You can count on it. It's credible, among the most credible of all ancient documents the New Testament is. Um, the question is, 
Will you say thy will be done to God or will you demand to get your own way in all of it? And there, there, if there is a real God, as Keller, as the Keller quote I just read, you ought to expect that God to outrage you every now and then, to make you struggle once in a while. Um, and so if that's happening to you, please understand that's quite normal. He's the infinite God, the all-knowing uh, God who sees the end from the beginning. He knows way more than you do. He knows what the ultimate good is, the ultimate truth is. He knows that. And so we look to him. We turn to him. Um, Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, uh, This is. I want to close with this thought. He said the ultimately lost person uh, is the person who cannot want God, who cannot want God to be God. The reason they do not find God is that they do not want him, or at least do not want him to be God. Wanting God to be God is very different from wanting God to help me or to to do my bidding, I might add that along, or to keep me out of trouble, whatever. Wanting God to be God, that's what Jesus was trying to get these people to see. And I hope you're encouraged by that. Let's turn to him in prayer now. Jesus, thank you uh, that you came. You didn't have to, you didn't owe it to us. Heavenly Father, continue to open our eyes that we might see Jesus, that we might recognize your hand in our lives. Holy Spirit, um, teach us, lead us, guide us, uh, transform us inside that our hearts are hungry for you and that we keep turning to you and to your word and that you would open our eyes uh, to have a clearer vision of your truth, a greater faith in your power and a more confident assurance of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Have a great day. Read ahead. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.